This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time at Core Brain Journal. And, you know, we've been interested in trauma. We've talked about trauma for a long time. And our guest today, Kelly Breeding, is with Accelerated Resolution Therapy, Art International. She is the Executive Director of Art International. Welcome, Kelly. We're so pleased to have you on board here. Hi, thank you. So what I'm going to do is say a couple words from our sponsors, and then we're going to ask Kelly to tell us exactly what that is, because it is going to be of interest to anybody that regularly listens to Core Brain Journal. So let me tell you, Core Brain Journal is sponsored by Direct Health Access Laboratory. They are international leaders in molecular testing for mind science details. With over 3 million studies, they provide deep experience with the usefulness of measuring, for example, things that you might never think about. Methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges, very, very interesting. Their innovative insights improve treatment priorities through a global service with a molecular focus. Connect your provider with a PDF on how and why these tests work. For more treatment fair at directhealthlab, dhalab.com forward slash core. They do work to overcome treatment failure. Stay tuned for more details. Core Brain Journal is also sponsored by the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia, where they provide fresh options to address the complexity of child and adolescent treatment failure from behavioral imbalances to substance abuse, both nationally and internationally. Most interesting is their deep focus on data-driven biomedical advances that measure specifics on what to do, again, with treatment failures, even after multiple hospitalizations are extensive outpatient work. Review their innovative programs. They're very comprehensive over at barryrobinson.org forward slash core. That's B-A-R-R-Y robinson.org forward slash core. More information coming later in the program. So Kelly, this is so interesting. You know, a lot of us are not familiar with accelerated resolution therapy. It's, it sounds at first kind of arcane, but in our preliminary discussion with you, I mean, it's something we all should know about, and I really appreciate you coming on board. So let's get started with what is your project all about? Well, Dr. Parker, we developed, so accelerated resolution therapy is a newer evidence-based cognitive psychotherapy that fosters rapid recovery by reprogramming how the brain stores traumatic memories. And we came across this therapy about three years ago and wanted to, we were reading about the success that was happening in the research that was being done here in the University of South Florida in Tampa and just were blown away by the success rates of, of how it was treating, how this approach provided such an effective relief from strong physical and emotional reactions to trauma. And you know, we were seeing that they were people were being treated, 70% success rates and people being treated in about four sessions. So we saw that and thought, wow, this is something that needs to be readily available Indeed. nationwide across the planet, across the globe. So we started Accelerated Resolution, or we started ART International, which is a nonprofit organization. And we collaborated with the developer of Accelerated Resolution Therapy. Her name is Lainey Rosenzweig. And she developed this therapy in 2008. And it's a funny story. She was trained in EMDR, 
in a lot of people that have learned about accelerated resolution therapy and have been trained in it definitely recognize that we have we have a lot of roots in some evident well-known evidence-based protocols like EMDR and she was in supervision and was showing her supervisor what she was doing and was told that's not EMDR you need to go back to the way you were taught or call this something else and Lainey was very puzzled because she was having such great success in this kind of this, she had take, she had molded this, this new protocol and it was finding great success, but it was utilizing some of the tools that were involved in a lot of the other cognitive-based therapies that she had been trained in. So we decided that the best way for us to help Lainey was to develop a nonprofit organization where we could fundraise and have the opportunity to spread it nationwide. And by doing that, we really have three main areas of interest with Art International. Basically, our main priority is with clinician acquisition. We want to have clinicians in every city, in every state across the country so that there is wide range access to accelerated resolution therapy. I get calls from people all over the country, rural cities in in Omaha, Nebraska, and places where there just is no access to something like this. And we we really want want to find a way to change that. So then that would help us with our geographic access to the therapy. We also are dedicated to helping fund more research, more advanced research. To date, there have been three clinical research studies done here at the University of South Florida. There have been 10 professional papers that have been published. I believe you did have an interview with Dr. Kevin Kipp, who has been one of our lead researchers. Great guy. That was so much. I was like, where did I, I just didn't get the term down. You know, he, he's such a delightful guy, such a smart guy. Yeah, Dr. Kim has been a blessing for us and he has done so much work, not only in, in working with the veteran population and PTSD, but in other areas of where he's been able to find ART to be successful in, in treating pain, pain management and other areas, homelessness, substance abuse. So what we've done Actually, so we formed the nonprofit, which gave us a little bit more flexibility. We have a wonderful support. We have wonderful support from private funders, private donors that allows us to really be able to push through and do what we need to do. We just funded the first privately funded clinical trial on PTSD that's ever been done in the United States. It's being done right now at the University of Cincinnati, and we're doing a head-to-head clinical trial with cognitive processing therapy, which the woman leading our clinical trial is Dr. Kathleen Shard, who is one of the pioneers of CPT. So that is a huge opportunity for us. The three-year clinical trial is about eight months in. They'll break the blind about a year and a half in, and we'll get some information, some data. But we're very, very excited about that opportunity. You got to tell us when that comes out, because we'll have you back on again. It'll be everywhere. It'll be so so much fun. Yeah. Great talking about it. Yeah. So then number three. Number three is to increase access to people geographically. And that's, so I spoke a little bit on the clinician acquisition piece of it, but the other part of it is to be able to create opportunities for people to, to have access to therapy who financially may not be able to afford it. So whether that is you know, a family of a veteran or somebody who's lost a loved one and they're in desperate need of, of care, but they can't afford to go to a private practice and receive services, we're working at, at doing a lot of fundraising and developing a committee with our board to help us so we can offer those types of scholarships and grant opportunities for people who may really be in need of it. We've been working with a lot of small organizations. There's one here based, we're based out of Tampa, Florida. There's an organization here in Holiday, which is about an hour away from us, called the Veterans Alternative. And they do two to three retreats every single month. 
they have veterans flying in from all over the country, and the only modality, the only protocol of therapy that they use is accelerated resolution therapy. So all of these individuals actually are going through five days with five sessions of accelerated resolution therapy while they're also, you know, in a situation where they're bonding with comrades and, and they're mm -hmm. developing a great support system. So by being able to fund those types of opportunities for individuals across the country, we feel like we're really helping to create more access, more open access to therapy. Kelly, please do send us that link and for we'll sure. put that in your show notes. Okay. Because that'll be something you just pop right up and people can just Absolutely. drive that. I mean, we'll get your other main link, but I think that's a good one to... to no, for uh, sure. And that, that, that's a great organization here. And there's so many of those across the country that we're working to partner with. We're working to partner right now with the university, UNLV, the medical, UNLV hospital, where the resident staff is who was receiving a lot of the... They were the first responders for the shooting that happened back in October. And so... Oh. We're, right now to, to set up a partnership with them to help provide them services as well. So that's very, very interesting. Now, we have a number of private public citizens who are, who are into this, but I want to just take a moment to take a quick side note about the training. Mm -hmm. So how does one become certified? I, and I think Dr. Kip and I talked about it, but it's not fresh in my mind, that answer. And it's worthy of re-examination now because some of our listeners are providers and it would be great for them to know how to do it. So anyone that is a licensed mental health professional, so you know, a social worker, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a marriage and family therapist, as long as they're licensed by the state that they're practicing in, they're eligible to get trained in one of our, get trained in ART. Mm -hmm. we have, we've scheduled 150 trainings across the country for 2018. And that's just, that's our, you know, as I had mentioned earlier, is we're really trying to break into communities where there is no ART clinicians already mm -hmm. practicing. So we've, we're trying to plan widespread as much as we possibly can. As long as they are licensed by the state that they're practicing in, it's a three-day training. They will do, it's a very experiential training. So the first day is where the education piece is kind of implemented. And then day two and three is they break into a practicum and they are broken up into a group. It's a three to one ratio and they are practicing the modality for the entire day. So they're really learning how to work through the modality, how to create metaphors to work within their practice, within their clients. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And then once they're done with the three days, they have the tools they need to implement this into their clinical practice the next day. Three days. Good. That's great. So we'll have that link, folks. Yeah, and we'll get taken care of because you, obviously through your website, they can find one of these sites. Yeah. I'm sure you have that listed. So absolutely. let's take a moment before we take the break to ask you this absolutely relevant question. And that is your take about how this actually takes place. So, so listeners can get an idea. If I wanted to go into that uh, kind of treatment, what would actually happen to me? What would happen to my amygdala? That sort of thing. Start with the basics and then what the treatment protocol is like and then come up with what, what you expect to get out of it. Absolutely. So as I said before, ART, the way it works is it basically reprograms the way your brain stores a traumatic memory. By reprogramming these distressing memories, by utilizing bilateral eye movements, you're able to allow a person to process out the strong physiological triggers that happen when you're recalling a memory. So basically what this session will look like is you're sitting in front of a clinician or your therapist, and they're going to run you through a guided imagery. There's very, very little talk therapy involved, very, very little narrative between both of the parties. It's a guided imagery. So the mm -hmm. client is in complete control 
um, and they are the ones doing the work. And they will run you through a guided imagery where they will have you recall this memory. And what happens when people recall a traumatic memory is it creates a strong physiological response. People have, their heart rate increases, they start to sweat, they start to feel nauseated. I mean, there's people that have a complete emotional breakdown when they try to recall these things. That's what hinders people from going into therapy in the first place because it just makes them feel bad to remember mm -hmm. these memories. Right. It also is what causes anxiety, depression, substance use and abuse. That's people's ways, unsuccessful ways of coping with things that have happened in their life. So by utilizing these bilateral eye movements while somebody, you have them recall that, they recall the memory, Mm -hmm. And then you have them identify the physiological responses that are happening in their body. And by utilizing bilateral eye movements, which are the restorative eye movements, similar to REM sleep, your body's natural way of processing memories and experiences, you recreate those bilateral eye movements and you help them process out that physiological response. You have them focus on it and you have, for example, if, if somebody's stomach is, they feel like it's in a knot, well, you have them, by using the bilateral eye movements, you have them imagine they're untying the knots or they're pouring a cooling a cooling liquid over the top of it to help desensitize the area. Once you've re removed all of those physiological responses, it almost, it's like it creates a space in that person for them to be ready to move forward because they're remembering this memory, but it's not making them feel physical pain, which a lot of times is, is a big reason. So you, once you've processed out the physiological responses, then you go through a process of voluntary image replacement. And with that, people are able to become the directors of their own memories because you're activating both sides of the brain at the same time. And so people can go back into that memory and replace images or rewrite their narrative to be a way that it's not as distressing for them. And that's really important for a lot of people who are dealing with survivor's guilt, you know, especially when you're dealing with the veteran population. A lot of these gentlemen don't want to forget the memories of their comrades because that's how they feel that they're honoring them, but they also can't function correctly with these physiological responses that are being brought up from those memories of losing those people. So a lot of times the veteran guys will tell us that they've rewritten the ending to a story, and that really, really helps them kind of move forward in their life. Mm -hmm. So by utilizing that, and then each session has a beginning, a middle, and an end. So there's a resolution at the end of every session. There's never a part where you're going to stop and break off and recontinue in your next session. You will come to that. There is a closing at your session. And it's, you know, sometimes it's crossing a bridge and bringing the things with you, what you want to bring with you, or there's sometimes you burning things in a fire or painting over a wall in your house. And so it's a different color and it's, it's not as something that's going to trigger that memory for you. So it makes the client, the person who's in complete control of this. It's very, very empowering for the client to be able to go through that process themselves and do the work themselves with almost no narrative. A lot of times the clinician doesn't know the story because they don't need them to. They're running them through a very directive script that is used every single time. That is so interesting. You know, it was funny because even when I talked to Dr. Kip, it was my memory didn't come back on this. And when you were telling me it did come back because I had specific training in uh, guided imagery many, many years ago. I went out to Chicago for a three-day seminar and used it. I don't do it any now because really I'm so involved with psychopharmacology and doing, doing the meds right. But what happens is, uh, you know, I had a person who had, her husband had died suddenly and she didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him. And she was stuck in a grief process. Now I did a little bit of that, not as sophisticated as you are. I had new, no knowledge about EMDR or anything, but it was interesting taking that person to a quiet place, then reintroducing her husband yeah. and having her have a chance to say goodbye. I mean, it was like one session he was dramatically better 
because she got a chance to have closure in a constructive way with a sudden death of somebody that she'd been with for a long period of time. We recreated it in Paris because that's where they were together on a you know, high romance. And uh, it worked out very well. But it was, it's interesting because that's only 50% of what you're talking about because yeah. you, do, you do the physiology of it as well. And that is going to be so much more, I would think, restorative and reparative because you get the entire mind-body piece together. Absolutely. And I will tell you that on the flip side of it, the benefit for the clinicians, there's a term which I'm sure you, you are aware of that I personally dislike is the term of compassion fatigue or burnout. And there's a lot of clinicians and therapists that work with high trauma victims that experience this feeling of fatigue and dealing with and hearing these horrible stories all day long and seeing their clients not getting better the benefit with accelerated resolution therapy is a lot of times they're not hearing these stories. So they can see five, six, seven, eight clients a day, and they're not carrying that baggage from that. Pre we're empathic people. We take on people's feelings. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're clinicians. It's impossible to not carry that with you through the day or when you go home at night. So not having to hear those stories all day long or just a little snippet of it. And then also seeing the relief and the success that your clients are having in such a rapid setting it's just, it's, you can't put it, it's invaluable. That is really interesting because then you start thinking, my mind goes to some individuals I've uh, interviewed here at Core Brain Journal who are first responders. You know, I have one guy that we talked to who was down in New Orleans and down post the bombing in Oklahoma. And he's been to all these different sites. And of course, one of the things they talk about is how they deal with the guys coming home in the bus because yeah. they're torn up. And they try to deprogram them, but this kind of resolution would be so helpful for first responders who've been exposed to all that tragedy and death. So I've got a question for you, and we'll have a little break after this question. You can sort of consider it. I think one of the things that would be interesting to everybody here is we, we look at what works, and you just gave us a very good rundown on what works and, a, and an overview of how it works. One of the things I want to ask you about is to tap your brain for the kinds of problems that individuals experience when they're actually using this protocol. So a person can be prepared for, hey, what if this happens? What if that happens? What kind of difficulties might they experience? And that sort of thing. So we'll come back in just a moment. We'll take a break now and I'll ask you that question. We'll see where it goes. Back in just a moment. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's d-h-a-l-a-b.com forward slash core. 
Okay, folks, welcome back. Yes, yeah, so we're here with Kelly Breeding, the Art International Executive Director, talking about accelerated resolution therapy in detail. And as we do at Core Brain Journal, we want to look at the the good, the bad, the indifferent, and there may be no problems. I asked her kind of a loaded question. She wasn't prepared for the question, but I'm able to see her here on Zoom account. So she didn't look like she was intimidated by the question. <laughs> so, but the issue I think is, if there are problems, what would one expect a problem to be, both as a practitioner, what are the most frequent problems that a practitioner might experience in their early starting and doing this kind of therapy, using this kind of modality, and what might the client be concerned about that they need some reassurance on to really take those next steps? So I would tell you, and as somebody who has been through this therapy long before I ever was introduced to this position, I would say that the biggest, probably one of the most difficult hurdles that a, well, a new clinician, I think would, the biggest hurdle would be is they're just their comfortability of running somebody through a guided imagery. It's not a typical psychotherapy that you're taught while you're in school. Um, it's a little bit different and it utilizes a, di a lot of different pieces. There's a lot of use with metaphors. If you, you need to learn how to be kind of creative in coming up with metaphors that you feel that are going to be, your client will be receptive to. You talked a lot about the individual that you worked with who said goodbye to their husband. I mean, that's the empty chair, gestalt. We learned all about that in school. And so being able to find metaphors that can connect with your client and be successful with them, I think is a big piece. Another big piece is working with people who aren't motivated, that might have some issues with, you know, some secondary gains. And that is something that we learn a lot of people have. If you're not motivated to get better or you have secondary gains, you're not going to be, it's, you can't run them through a guided imagery because the work is done internally. So that I would say is, a, is, a, is probably one of the bigger issues. You know, we tell people you need to have three things to be able to go through AOT. You need to be able to hold a thought. You need to be able to follow your eye movements and you need to be motivated to get better. And those are the only three prerequisites a client needs to be able to go through accelerated resolution therapy. So the secondary gains, just to explain that for some people who wouldn't understand, I mean, the issue would be that there'd be some benefit for them remaining sick. Yeah. And so they would just be like, I, I don't really want to deal with this because I get so much adoration, praise, free food, whatever. Yeah, there's some, there's some, you could you could be here all day naming every type of secondary. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's so many Ouch. guys and people, they're really kind of stuck and happy being in that victim mode. Mm -hmm. And they're not somebody who would be, might necessarily be a good candidate for this until they get to that point where they're better. And we have seen, there's a lot of who are very trepidatious. They are worried you're trying to hypnotize them because of the use of the hand movements. And it's not the most comfortable thing to go through. If one of the gentlemen that we've worked with a lot, his name is Brian Anderson. He's a retired Green Beret. He's become a huge advocate of us and what we're doing. Brian said that this was so beneficial after going through years and many, many rounds of prolonged exposure and CPT, he had a hard time in talk therapy because he didn't feel like he could describe the scene in enough detail to where anybody would understand what his experience was. So this type of modality really helped him because in his mind, he can see it. He can mm -hmm. see every detail. He can see every blade of grass. Mm -hmm. He can remember the sounds where he may not be able to verbalize that to somebody else. So you have to be willing and able to, I mean, that I would think that motivation is probably the biggest hurdle for somebody if they're not motivated. So then back to 
the question of what would a client be concerned about going into it? The hypnotism would be part of it. They, yeah. they think you're going to take control in some way, and they're not really comfortable with the passivity. They want to remain in control. So what would be a way that a person, well, first of all, just to amplify on that, were there other things that perhaps might be an issue for a client that you could reassure us about? And then what would a, yeah. would a practitioner do to reassure the client? Well, I would say the initial triggering of the physiological responses are not the most comfortable thing. It's remarkable how quickly it happens, but you just assure the person that you're there with them and you move them through the entire process. You don't stop and say, okay, I understand that that's really causing you a lot of physical discomfort. You have to move them through the process. I have seen clinicians get on the floor with people hiding under a desk because they're so traumatized by this experience and it triggers that feeling in them that you just have to stay with them. And I think that that's probably a big, for clients, that feeling, that just bringing that up, but just assuring them that within 45 hand strokes, you're going to move them through that and it's going to, it will deescalate them very, very quickly. Is that right? It's 45 hand strokes. Oh yeah. my gosh. For, that, that's for, each, a... for each time. You run them through that several, I mean, you're going to, a session can be from 60 minutes to two hours, depending on how many physiological triggers this person has. Oh, Cause I one, you, you could get rid of the, get rid of the rapid heart rate. And then all of a sudden they've got a stomach ache or they're, you know, they've got an excruciating pain in their neck. So you just have to work them through until where they have released all of that. And they've processed all that physiological response out. So they have migrating triggers. Yeah, well, <laughs> depends on how motivated they are <laughs> right. and how long that they've been suppressing it. Well, that's you know, wild, they, so. a lot of people bring on chronic pain themselves. That's so true. By harboring I mean, things in, inside of their body. Well, and we've had other experts talk about that, but we didn't talk about this resolution. <laughs> you know, because people talk about pain and getting the pain and different ways to approach the pain from different neurophysiologic insights. Yeah. But this is a way to say, look, that pain is a, a very likely a manifestation of that trauma. And so it's locked down. It's got a nidus. It's got a focus that just can't be resolved until you actually find out what the origin of it is. Some people may come in and they, not, they don't even have an idea yeah. what the origin is. Well, and we've, I've seen cases where people come in for one thing and they discover that it's actually the origin was something very, very different. You know, they yeah, can be blaming an ex-husband, but it's actually something from childhood. So, yeah, Doctor Kip talked about that. You know, he's, he said <laughs> you start with this. Talking about me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't mention your name at all. <laughs> but it was very interesting because he was talking about an individual where there was a traumatic thing that was obvious, and then boom, then all of a sudden these other things were able to pop up. That is totally it adds a lot of color to something that may have been very muted in your past and in your mind, in your memory for a long mm -hmm. time. It really is it's quite revolutionary. So then what would you say would be the easiest way? You've got some things that you're doing in different parts of the country. Let's talk about how a person can get hooked up with you guys. Number one, as a potential trainee and number two, as a potential client. So I would recommend going to our website. There's a lot of information. We have a lot of research. We have information about the therapy, about the developer that's on there. All of our trainings are listed on our website. So if you just click on the map of where you're located and you can see where we have trainings coming up, we have lots of forums on social media where we have a lot of our trained clinicians who are very, very active in answering questions. People can reach out to me directly. I'm happy to give referrals for services in the areas where I'm, I'm familiar where there are clinicians. 
Um, and I'll do whatever I can to help people get the access to both the trainings and the services if needed. So they're both there and you got maps there. So you can just pop over a map and see what the sites are and all that sort of yeah. thing. And all of our clinicians are listed on our website by region. So if you just click on your region, you can see if there's a clinician in your area. And these are all people that we have vetted. Um, they're all very highly esteemed clinicians. Gee, that sounds fantastic. I mean, you know, I was so inspired. I don't know whether you guys talked or not, but I was like, we got to really have some more on because this is so completely interesting. And we really, what's really fun about my particular situation here is the people I get a chance to talk to. I mean, it's a learning opportunity for me. And I'm thinking if I'm learning this, hey, it's an opportunity for all of us to take it another click down the road because there's so many people who have these kinds of issues that aren't successfully resolved. I mean, they're beyond medication. I was telling uh, Dr. Kip about uh, Bart Billings out in California. And he runs one of the largest PTSD groups. I'm trying to get them hooked up. I don't really know what happened with that, but he'd be a great guy to go out there and present. And he has a large international conference yeah. on this whole thing. So, and, and Bart was an early guest of ours. Very, very interesting guy. He was the officer. I think he was in the Army. I can't remember which branch he was in, but he ran one of the largest PTSD treatment centers. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, we were working on as hard as, hard as we can. We are the new kid on the block. So it's... <laughs> You know, without having all the research to back us up, we're taking every step that we can and just putting ourselves where we can be to help people. Well, Kelly Breeding, thank you so much for coming on board. Let's get the exact website up and then we're going to make sure I'm going to say it one more time. I'm definitely going to invite you to come back. You have something that's like, boom, this is something we need to talk about and share. This is the place to do it. We're happy to help you guys on your, on your, on your mission. Thank you so much. It's www.ar therapyinternational.org. Well, thanks again for coming on board. It was a lot of fun talking to you guys are really have an inspirational, different way of thinking about some things that everybody's stuck on. I mean, there are a lot of people in this situation, you know, Unfortunately. It's, it's really, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I know our listeners are, are very appreciative as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. You have a great day. Right, bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.